Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Hi, this is Food FM. My name is Arthur Potts Dawson. Uh, we're very lucky to have Anya Morris here from Valley Fest. Uh, and we're going to be talking about what's happening at the end of July, uh, just outside of Bristol, in the most beautiful of settings. Dust off your dancing shoes and air out your tents. Valley Fest is on. Um, hi, Anya. Thank you so much for joining us. Fantastic. I, you know, Valley Fest for me has always been this uh, amazing event that happens just south of Bristol. Um, and it's been going for some time now, hasn't it? I mean, I think I went about 10 years ago. How long has Valley Fest been going? Uh, we're into, I think, not quite 10 years, but I think this is year seven or year eight. So you must have gone to one of the very first Oh, very ones. early ones. Okay. Okay. And Anya, how are you involved with Valley Fest and what is it that you do with Valley Fest? Um, so I look after food programming and brand partnerships. I'm new to the team this year. Um, I've known the guys at Year Valley and the guys behind the festival for quite some time. Mm. And um, I think over the last seven years, the festival's really gone from strength to strength. But we bill it as being the best tasting music festival in the Southwest. And obviously, Year Valley Organic are a key brand partner for us. Um, so it's very much a festival that has a strong food focus and is all about bringing people together around good food and creating fun and convivial spaces to also unpick some of the issues to do with organic and regenerative food and farming. And something to be said from in the sort of southwest of England, especially around Bristol. I mean, the food scene in Bristol is, is so strong, vibrant, creative, and also, you know, a little bit left field, isn't it? We, we need to, to think through the processes of sustainability, the ethics in organic food, and, and Yo Valley being, you know, um, a, a major uh, sponsor for Valley Fest. You know, they're a really good example of what regenerative farming can look like. Yeah, they've been incredible, I think, of um, uh, improving that organic and regenerative agriculture is financially viable when it comes to business and enterprise, mm. and that they've managed to grow and scale an organic product in the UK that's, you know, a, 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 a real go-to for everybody on the supermarket shelves. So mm. um, uh, to be able to do so, so close to Bristol, whilst also continuing to farm in a way that respects the animals and the soil and the culture of the place, is is really impressive so yeah valley year valley are a key a key brand partner for us and um, the festival itself is based about 40 minutes outside of bristol and um, just above blagden lake in the chew valley and um, very close to year valley hq and, and their headquarters and the land is normally a regenerative livestock farm the rest of the year round so we very much practice what we preach yeah it's good for the heart isn't it and it's almost a, it's quite it's almost a veg, uh, a festival for the future. Um, if all festivals could do this, then really this is a blueprint for allowing people to come together, uh, you know, COVID restrictions or not, you know, people are coming together. This is almost going to be the first festival to happen this year, isn't it? And so, you know, festivals for the future, fingers <laughs> crossed, uh, for me, it's, it's going to happen. It has to happen. We need yeah, to let, you know, dust off your dancing shoes, I think is just a, a, a brilliant statement. Um, but Anya, you and I have known each other for, for 10 years uh, and we were, we were the youth uh, some time ago when we were trying to change the world um we're sort of you know um filling our boots a bit now and uh, <laughs> and, and the and the youth are coming on aren't they but um because the youth the food foundation youth summit is taking part at uh, valley fest this year um can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so one of the really lovely things about getting involved with valley fest this year is not just the opportunity to sort of look at the food programming around feasts and chef demos uh, we've introduced a cooking over fire stage this year which you are going to be doing a demo i'm cooking there Sunday yes morning. i am cooking yeah. yeah but as well as we really want valley fest to develop as a place where the food and farming community 
community can come and gather together because there's an awful lot of the organic brands and businesses involved in the festival. So we were delighted when the Food Foundation chose to host their first Youth Food Summit with us this year. Um, We are going to have about 120 young people uh, on site for the whole of the festival weekend. They've got their own conference marquee and camping area um, and they're hosting a whole series of different workshops and breakout groups. There's going to be a, a right to food march there's going to be a disco soup that we can talk about a bit more in a minute um uh but it's really it, it feels very full circle for me that we happen to be hosting this youth conference um at the festival this year and at the same time there's you and i and tom hunt will be with us for the weekend and, fantastic. and looking back you know we've all we, we were all off to italy together on on food experiences about 10 years ago so to be hosting similar activities now for other young people um it, it feels like we're sort of closing the circle there's an energy isn't there about the youth now which is starting to to almost become electric there's there's the youth movements they're really standing up and saying hey we don't want any more of this. We need the food system to change. And I think uh, people like you, Anya, and Tom Hunt and, and, and myself were able to sort of say, well, okay, we can facilitate that change because we've seen it change from almost being, you know, the food systems being in a complete debacle to actually, you know, Valley Fest being a good example, Yo Valley being a good example, you know, the community farm in Bristol being a good example of, of regenerative future thinking food projects that will empower the youth to pick them up and say, okay, we support this and we move forward because the youth is the future of food, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think what's really interesting, it's just before the interview, we were talking about one of the first times I came to see you in London at the People's Supermarket. Mm. Uh, and it was interesting coming into this interview, I was thinking, you know, if, 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 if I was talking to myself 10 years ago, what advice would I be giving? And, and sometimes I think it is easy to feel, you know, a little bit cynical or a little bit jaded about um, the food culture and the the scale of change that we're managing to drive and the speed with which that change is happening versus the speed with which we need it to happen. Um, and, you know, having having a current government that is making some questionable decisions around farming systems and international trade deals, etc. So um, sometimes I think it, it, it's easy to feel a little bit negative um, uh, occasionally. Um, uh, and the reality, I think, coming back from the UK, because obviously when I first met you, we was based in Italy, and I think I had quite a bucolic idea of how we were all going to come together and, and music and food and mm. community and connection was going to drive this beautiful wave of change. And, and 10 years later, looking back, you know, do we feel like we achieved that? Well, to some extent, we haven't got the scale of the change that we need. But if you look at it from the other perspective, the sheer quantity of young people who are coming into not just food, but food, farming, regenerative agriculture, um, uh, that really understanding that the impact that the global food system has to play and uh, the potential for tackling some of the challenges we face in terms of the climate crisis. Uh, it feels very hopeful. I don't know, I don't know what yeah. you think, but to me it feels very hopeful that so many more people... Get I've got this feeling, Anya, that... Um, unfortunately change doesn't happen in decades it happens in generations and you know I think it's going to take 25 years and we're halfway through you know since we've met in 10 years you know 10 years ago to actually say well we can look back after a generational shift to say actually the moments in time that we had were rich in challenging the system showcasing um, you know championing and, and really kind of empowering a voice to, 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 to have a platform because 10 years ago the platforms I mean the slow food movement um, was a platform coming out of Italy but the UK was a little bit old blue rinse brigade we couldn't get traction 
Um, and food has then, it's taken a long time. I mean, I'm doing an interview at the moment for um, the Mob Kitchen, and, and they're still saying, can you talk to us about food waste? And I said, I've been yeah. talking about food waste for 15 years. Yeah. We just can't seem to break the narrative. Um, food waste was something that um, really shouldn't happen in the food industry in the first place. It's just lazy ideas around food and convenience and cheap food um, you know, being grown and then thrown away. So um, you know, I think the narratives have to mature. And, and it's the youth should really pick these narratives up and, and help us to mature them. Well, and we are seeing some of that, no, certainly in that sort of food media space, some of the mm. younger and the new voices in the food media space coming up mm. really are tackling some of those sticky, difficult issues and mm. starting to unpick some of the reality around this separation that we tend to have between sort of food as entertainment and leisure versus the way most of us eat every day. And mm. um, for me, what was really when we first met each other 10 years ago, and, and that was because we were taking these delegations of young people to the Terra Madre conference mm. in Italy. And mm. for people who don't know, that's a biannual Italian food conference run by the Slow Food International Organization. Um, and in sort of 2008 and 10 and 12, I think we, we bought large delegations of young people to the conference for the first time. And for me, what was always really powerful about Terra Madre was you got this visual representation of this network of people who existed all over the world that would never normally have the opportunity to physically come together in the same space, mm. who for this short period of time were all thrown into this wonderful and slightly unusual environment. And, and so when you left, you went back to your own community, your own home with this real sense that there were all these other people out there all over the world working towards these kind of similar goals and objectives. Um, so I think if Valley Fest can manifest some of that same energy and that it is about bringing people together around great music and good food to have a really good time, but also it's about you know, collectively coming together as people who care about the food we eat and the farming systems that feed Bristol as such a, a large urban community. Um, uh, then hopefully by coming to the festival, we're then inspiring other people to also get involved. It's amazing, isn't it? Because the southwest of England seems to have just exploded with this sort of passionate, young and also experienced um, set of food principles. Uh, people like Tom Hunt, having done Poco, who's constantly winning, you know, Sustainable Restaurant of the Year. I know that we've got some, uh, you know, we've got Merlin Johnson now cooking down in Bruton. Um, we've got just some brilliant chefs in Bristol. So the southwest of England actually, it, 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 I mean, I've been lucky enough, my parents have got um, a, a place down in, in Wedmore, which is the, the heart of Somerset. But 25 years ago, it was just rural, and there were tractors rumbling past, and sometimes it flooded, and sometimes you had some cider. But now, Somerset is just almost like the, the epicenter of the food revolution. Isn't well, it? and what's really exciting is it's not just the high-end restaurants. I know um, young bakers who've moved out to Britain who are farming heritage variety, rare British wheats, and using mm. them to milling them themselves and using them to make fantastic breads. So there, there's it's really at every level of the food system, which I think quite often it's easy for places to have a couple of good restaurants and people go oh the food there's good mm. but what's really interesting about the southwest is that it's not just the chefs in the restaurants it's the food producers it's the community projects it's the urban growing pro it's it's the depth and breadth of a food ecosystem which is what we need to drive real change substantial change and so that change will be on view at valley fest because we've got some 
brilliant chefs joining, none more so than Tom, uh, Tom Hunt, yeah. um, who's got who's a great storyteller and writer, and uh, his new cookbook is out. So we need to make sure that we're, we're, we're punching that through the, the line. You give them a plug. <laughs> um, so what's happening? So we've we've got um, cooking over fire, um, and then we've got the youth food summit, and also um, the disco soup. Uh, should we talk yeah. a little bit about the things that are happening inside the festival? So we've introduced a fantastic new chef demo stage this year in collaboration with Nailsea Electrical. Um, it's a beautiful new country kitchen in a in a very attractive stretch marquee with no sides, so it's all COVID safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're excited. Josh Eggleton and Rob Howell from Root in Bristol. Rob's got a beautiful new cookbook out and is doing a fantastic job of showcasing that meat and fish do not have to be the mainstay of restaurant dining, that mm. vegetables can feature really strongly. Um, uh, again, bring Bringing, bringing people out from Bristol because of how local we are. We've got Jan Wilson from Wilson's Restaurant joining us, uh, but so is Olia Hercules and Jenny Chandler will be cooking up uh, kids' wow. uh, for recipes from her. Sorry, not mm. cooking up kids. Mm. Cooking yeah, up cooking up recipes. kids, yeah. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> yeah, cooking up recipes from yeah. her green kids' cookbook. <laughs> yeah. um, and then on the cooking over fire, we've got Henry Elgin from The Cauldron, who only cooks over flame, even in his own restaurant. And the mm-hmm. Hang Fire Smoke Girls house girls are going to be with us, which is great. Um, and then the other area I've been looking after is developing the feasts for the festival. So we do have a very special Friday night feast with Empirical Spirits over from Copenhagen and Freddie Anson from Snack Bar in London. And um, I think that one's going to be an awful lot of fun. It's basically delicious Mexican food and beautiful cocktails. Um, Rob and Josh from Root in Bristol will be cooking up the Saturday evening feast and then on Sunday we'll be enjoying a Chew Valley Sunday lunch which is going to be made completely from ingredients only sourced from within the Chew Valley. Amazing oh wow fantastic and uh, let's talk a little bit a bit, bit more about this um, youth summit uh, from the Food Foundation because the Food Foundation are an interesting foundation aren't they organization and they're doing some amazing work um, what is it that we think we, we, we were able to do for the youth at this festival that, that others might not be able to do? Because I de- definitely feel that this is a decade of action and that the youth yeah. needs to be engaged. And, and for them to be engaged so strongly at a festival like this is, is really saying something, isn't it? Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope partly where where we begin to see more opportunities for breakthrough is when we do start taking the conversation out into the kind of environments that young people are really comfortable spending time in. So rather than inviting young students, for example, to come to a conference on you know, regenerative agriculture, for example. Um, It's an easier ask to say, come to an amazing food and music festival. And while you're there, participate in a load of activity that delivers the same kind of learning and messages. So the sort of topics they'll be looking at while they're with us is um, what does it mean to be an activist? Uh, Question time around the national food strategy. Uh, They'll be participating in, in workshops that are only open to the young people about art as activism and food waste and equality. Disco Soup was a project that grew out of the Slow Food Youth Network. Um, uh, I believe the very first ones were organised in Amsterdam. I might be wrong, mm. um, but I remember they ended up being on, uh, there was one on a subway train in Paris mm. and there's been one um, uh, through the centre of Turin. And um, I think we once did one at the Torino Lingotto on the old Fiat track that went up to the... On the top there, to yeah. The, fantastic. Yeah. I remember um, that night. That was delicious, that food. I remember that. Actually, that was a fun... We, um, uh, yeah, that was... Was a really fantastic and didn't we pick about 10 kilos of black trompet mushrooms and we brought them in exactly and, ah, yeah. exactly that, that and we delicious. sent you in groups to to um chefs around turin to work in their kitchens right. to remember that to is right and 
Uh, and so this is in the similar vein. The idea is the young people are going to take all this waste veg and waste produce that, that wouldn't have a good home otherwise. They'll be setting up in their marquee and cooking up uh, soup while someone spins deck on the decks and plays some tunes. And then they'll be distributing free food out around the festival and, and talking to the public about what they've been up to. And but, but There's something actually that you said there, Anya, that I'd like to just open up a bit. I mean, we're talking about Valley Fest and Food FM are going to be at Valley Fest and, and I'll be having my microphone out and hopefully interviewing all of the chefs and, and some of the other um, participants as well as um, just, just people who are taking part. Really poignant sentence that you said there and I want to bring this up because I've always found you, Anya, to have such a strong capacity to communicate around food. And, and in some way, there's been this sort of advocacy for good food. But in, in that, I've always found you to have this sort of very activist's voice for yourself. And you're sort of saying, what does it mean to be an activist? But I almost see you as an activist. And can you tell me, and perhaps the listeners who are, who are listening in now, to be an activist and to actually want to drive change, it takes a lot of passion and commitment, doesn't it? Because I see you as one. And you're, hopefully you're, you're not going to shy away from me saying that you are <laughs> one. But, but you know, you really have driven change in, into everything that you've done um, around food and, and in your life. Um, but but being an activist, it, it, what's the responsibility, and, and how do you find that role that, that you play in these sort of food food scenarios? And because again, although we were young a while ago, we're still activists. Whether we want to be or not, sometimes it feels like. Well, your voice. I mean, with with everything that you know and that you do, and you're you're by default yeah, an activist. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I I think what I'd say about myself is on on the on a good day with the wind behind me, I seem to be able to communicate about food and change in a way that inspires other people to want to do some stuff mm. regardless of what the stuff is um uh and i very much see myself as um uh someone who uh is able uh, joining the dots and seeing the bigger picture mm. uh, and then being able to communicate that bigger picture out to a wider audience feels like sort of my part of the jigsaw puzzle if mm. that makes sense and yeah. um, uh, I sometimes say to a lot of the chefs that we work with you know you guys you you do the food and I do the words and between mm. us it's it's something quite special yeah um, but I think it's really important and what it is you're saying is I put you on the spot because Talking about other things is easy for you, but I'm saying to you that you are a strong voice for change and an activist in yourself. And and the, whether it was the, was it the School of Artisan Food? Did you work on that? Yeah, You've worked at the Slow Food. You're now working on yeah. Valley Fest, as well as other. You worked with the Sword Association with Patrick Holden. You know, you've been at the, at the forefront of change, um, and sometimes maybe not understanding that you're there at, at the coal face chipping away so that others can have a way a path forward um you know i, I don't know if you get enough credit on you and uh, I, I don't want to be sort of blowing your trumpet here but but you know food is a vital tool for change and interesting that Anya, you're so good at, at being able to generate that change through food um tell me about the, the journey through food that you've had i mean this is a 30 minute interview and i've got a few more minutes to to, to press you on this um yeah give me your journey on food and what food, your, your, I mean, your view you, is food, food changed my life i mean you think i think um what's been very interesting about this year especially in all of that conversation around kind of privilege and uh especially within food and how that privilege and influence gets wielded and used um, is you know I got into food because I was a 21 year old single mum who'd had a baby and had to figure out how to feed her that was that was what took me into food in the first instance and as a result of that set up a small lunchbox project and as a result of that got involved in slow food and then saw the university launching and over 
in Italy in 2003 or four, I think it was, um, and looked at the university and thought, gosh, that would be amazing. But in no way was I in a financial situation that would have enabled me to go. And after looking at the website for like three years, took a deep breath and just thought, this is ridiculous, applied, applied for a scholarship, got a full scholarship and ended up going to to, to live and work with Slow Food for the next mm-hmm. five years. Um, uh, that, I mean, was an experience that really did transform my life. And I'd, I'd grown up in quite sort of challenging or, or um, uh, insecure circumstances and uh, Italy and slow food really taught me that that people can come together around food and not only does it bring people together but when you put good food at the heart of local communities what you what you nurture and what involves is a depth of of human relationship mm. that that is actually really missing from from a lot of our societies these days and sometimes I feel a bit like what drives me is um I, I'm, I'm always kind of looking to recreate that depth of connection that we all had when we were living in Italy and we were all young people living in a small town together and everyone cooked together every evening and was in and out of each other's houses and we were constantly talking about food politics and issues and philosophy and what we loved about slow food and what drove us crazy about slow food. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I, I think um, I ended up in festivals very much because um, I'd spent a lot of time doing programs of influencing high net worth individuals or trying to kind of influence policy change at at senior levels and ultimately ended up quite frustrated that it didn't feel like it made a huge difference to the way most people shopped and ate every day it's like me coming to see you in london and being like everyone's going to eat organic vegetables and you saying actually look around you that shop over there sends sells 700 pound bicycles but the Mm. people who live in the flats up there are on less than benefits and what they want to access locally is you know coca-cola and breakfast cereal at a reasonable price yeah Yeah. and so how do you create something that starts where the community is at and grows uh, i think is something that my changing around what it means to be an activist has changed quite a lot Uh, someone someone used the word earnest to describe (laughs) describe me recently and uh, yeah and i was (laughs) a little bit offended (laughs) but it feels like as you get older that sort of um that sort of relentless optimism or that belief in the possibility of change or that energy that you can have to sort of drive things forward in your 20s it seems to come quite naturally mm. as you get older it feels like that kind of optimism optimism and, and hope and that belief in people and their capacity for change that starts to feel like more of a strategic choice no mm. like i choose to continue to yeah. have hope in our ability to change even in the face of all the evidence to the contrary yeah. Yeah. Because if we don't have that, then 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 where are we? Yeah. And and what worries me a little bit at the moment is it's really important that we don't exchange the ex, the real life experience of working in food in local communities and supporting local communities and breaking bread and growing food together physically for the social media conversation around what's right and what's wrong and 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 who's doing what because there's so much chatter going on on social media about what should be happening. And I think what comes up for me as a fear is imagine if all that energy was being spent actually working in community to transform the way Mm. that we connect around food. Well, food is such a connector and it is uh, such a way at your point of breaking bread 
we've been breaking bread for millennia as humans and it's only now that as we begin to be become more disparate and our communities are, are shattered and our family structures are shattered by events like covid and brexit um we have to sort of fight back don't we, we have to we have to yeah. um yeah. you know battle back to some time I mean, i'm not talking about some sort of utopian past where we all lived off brown bread and ate you know, um, post eggs, you know, there is a future here and it's great that the youth are involved and that they're able to lean on people like you, Anya, for guidance, experience, direction. Ultimately, just in closing, it's, Mm. you know, that that word activism in and of itself is like there's a whole swathe of people who would go, oh, well, I'm not an activist. No, that's quite a confronting word because ultimately all we are are people who care about having a planet that we and our children can continue to live on in the future. I mean, that's not really an extreme position. You know, the viability of human life, the ongoing ability of of, of humans to live in societies and and to do so in balance with the environment so that those systems continue to be able to support us. So I I think the other thing that's shifting in terms of that activist voice is the evidence of the climate crisis is becoming more and more apparent all around us. It's not coming. It's already here. Mm. And, And so more and more of those youth, I think, are just know inherently that the way things have been working up to this point is is a bit broken and what we need now is to build new well systems. that's exactly what's happening with the united nations food system summit that they're reaching out uh to the communities around the world to say okay the sustainable development goals that we started in 2015 haven't quite are done what we expected them to and we recognize food as being a catalyst for change so um you know the next 10 years is absolutely vital um when temperatures like 50 degrees centigrade in western canada have become the norm uh food growing will just completely collapse in the whole western united states and 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 northern canada suddenly you know people start to wake up and say ah Carbon sequestration, soil health, yeah. better production of food, um, all of that needs to come into um, almost immediate effect. Um, and so activism then becomes default. You know, put your hand up in the air and, and, and vote for change. So Valley Fest is going to do that in a way, you know, get the youth involved, get the chefs involved, get some great ingredients, put it in a beautiful setting. And um, it's going to be 10,000 people for three days. Um, and it's going to be a ton of fun. That's the plan. Yes, please, Boris, let us go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as long as everything continues as it is, it is at the moment, all is looking good. And, and we're just really excited and enthusiastic to be able to gather people together in the field and, uh, and to reflect on what's been a really challenging year for big parts of the community, but also re-inspire ourselves about you know, how fantastic the food community around Bristol really is. And, you know, I can't wait to see you there. I'm going to be there with my Food FM hat on, also my personal hat on, also my United Nations World Food Programme advocacy hat on. I mean, I'm going to be all over Valley Fest. I can't wait to be there. Uh, Anya Morris, thank you so much for telling us a little bit about yourself and also a lot (laughs) about Valley Fest. Um, uh, Get your dancing shoes on. If you can, get a ticket. uh, Air out your tent. And we'll see you all down at Valley Fest just south of Bristol on the 29th of July to the 1st of August. August. Um, Anya Morris, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I look forward to seeing you there. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. <laughs>